everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And how are you doing, Corey? You know, it's Friday, and I started a new shift this week. So, although I worked an hour of overtime every day but today, so it was really nice getting out of work at 5 and being home around 5.30. Oh, look at that. Earlier. Yeah. Not bad. Instead of, yeah, instead of 6. It's and nice. Next week, you get a little vacation, right? <gasps> I only work three days next week, and the week after that, I work four days. Nice. So, yes. Uh, my wife is going to visit Corey, so we'll be recording next week's episode a little early, but don't worry, folks. We will not miss an episode, um, despite my wife distracting Corey for a few days. <laughs> um, if you're new to the podcast, Burke Reviews Movie Club is a show Corey and I started uh, over two years ago now. Um, this is year three of the podcast. And we started it because we both have a lot of movies that we wish we would watch, but we keep putting off for some reason or another. And this kind of makes sure we at least watch one new movie every week for one of us. Um, Each month we divide up uh, themes for the year, and that's where we pick our movies from. The only rule is that we have to have either uh, never seen the movie or have not seen it recently enough that it would be considered like a recent rewatch. So this month, uh, if you're following along with the podcast, this is Out of This World. Our last episode we did on The Man Who Fell to Earth, which Corey and I were not over the moon about. Um, however, uh, this episode we're doing Solaris by uh, directed from 2002, and that should be noted because this is a remake. Um, I've not seen the original, but there's one from like 1970-something, I believe. Um, or it might be even earlier than that. Uh, this version from 2002 is directed by Steven Soderbergh, um, and we'll get into all the other particulars when we get to the actual uh, review um, we like to start, though, with just seeing what we've been watching recently. So let's go with that. Corey, do you want to go first or second this week? Sure, I'll go. I don't watch as many things as you, and I'm still rewatching Parks and Rec. Oh, um, nice. I love it so much, and I still cry every time. Spoiler, but the show's been out for a long time. When, um, Oh, my God, when Ben proposes. Ah, uh, yeah. I, it just kills me. Um, and then I watched a couple episodes of King of the Hill, but Hulu needs to get its shit together because that's the only show that I watch where it like randomly zooms in huh. and you like can't see everything on the screen. So you have to back all the way out and go back in. Dumb. That's weird. I wonder why yeah. is that. I don't know. Bill like looked it up for me because it was pissing me off and he said that it's a known thing that happens and there's no way to fix it except for exiting. And then I watched Hedwig and the Agri Inch. Again. Oh. That movie just never gets old. And I was trying to watch um, Breakfast on Pluto because I just love that movie too. Mm. Um, but then I was old and went to bed. Got it. So that's it. That's all I've got. Okay. I've had a fairly busy movie week. I don't remember for sure if I talked about The Rider. I think I did. I think we watched it before we recorded last week. So I'll skip that one, but um, since Saturday, I've watched at least a movie a day. Um, actually, since the 1st of January, I've watched a movie a day. Um, so, but not not necessarily trying to, but I have, now, once I start the streak, it's hard to stop it. I don't like to allow myself to end it, so on uh, this past Saturday, we watched, I, re- I watched, sorry, Mandy, the Nicolas Cage movie that got a lot of buzz, has a very high metascore. I don't understand what everyone's enjoying about it. It's like an art house horror film um, that mm. I kind of said is like the uh, bastard child of Nicholas Winding Refn and um, Sam Raimi because it feels like it wants to be the old Evil Dead movie that I love and mixing with like the artistic uh, color palette of Nicholas Winding Refn, like the neons very much remind me of like Only God Forgives or Neon Demon. Um and I'm sure there's tons of other artists who maybe this could pull from. It did not work for me. I was not amused. It took way too long to get to the, the gory fun part. And that was not gory or fun. There is a couple of cool scenes that I did enjoy. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I did not care for the movie. Um, I don't know what all the love is. And I'm not alone in that. Uh, friends of the podcast, Matt, from what I watched tonight, and... Uh, Big Tuna also are on my side with this one. None of us were fans, despite the overwhelming reception people have been giving it. But um, on Sunday, uh, my wife and I rewatched Crazy Rich Asians, which I really, really love. I actually liked more the second time. Um, And then I started to get to watch A Simple Favor a second time. 
Um, but we had to record top five, so I didn't get to finish it, so I didn't count it. But my wife did enjoy that movie, which I loved, A Simple Favor, when I saw it earlier this year. Um, on Monday, I watched The Death of Stalin. Have you heard of this, Corey? I feel like the title sounds oh, familiar, but... It's technically a 2017 film, but it, it was officially released in 2018. Um, it's mainly uh, stars Steve Buscemi. Like, he's definitely one of the leads. And then, unfortunately, it stars um, uh, Jeffrey Tambor, who's kind of fallen from grace because of... Uh, I don't think it was a sexual thing. I think it was his behavior towards women on the set, on various sets. Like, he's just, like, rude and, and kind of condescending. Um, I, I don't remember specifically what happened, but it's it's currently not cool to, like, support him. But the movie is really, really funny, and it does. it's based on the true story of the death of Stalin. Uh, it is a comedy, though, so they do kind of exaggerate and hyper, you know, use hyper, hyperbole, and uh, they speed some things up to make it more cinematic but a very uh compelling crazy dark comedy um i watched solaris which we'll talk about in a little bit but the big surprise for my week Corey, um i'd been hearing good things about escape room yeah and, and um it's a horror movie that came out in january first of all it's pg-13 so those two things alone made me very hesitant to even bother and I kind of thought the trailer just saw, like it was like a saw ripoff, which isn't necessarily and, a bad thing. But oh, that has the girl from True Blood, and who's also in Daredevil, which is where I know her from, Deborah Ann Wool. Um, it has Taylor Russell, uh, Logan Miller, who was in Love Simon earlier this year, um, Tyler Labine, who I'm a big fan of. He's usually pretty funny. Uh, he's um, I don't remember if he's Tucker or Dale in Tucker and Dale versus Evil, but he's one of those guys. And then. Uh, there's a show on Netflix called um, Atypical that the best friend character is played by Nick Dodani, and he's he's got a part in this movie. He's very funny. And uh, relative newcomer Jay Ellis, I thought, was really strong. Those are your six um, main characters. I was impressed for, like, at least 80% of the film. Um, I was really into the characters. I liked a lot of the choices. I didn't love every single choice they'd made. Uh, cinematically some of the they did some flashbacks some were cool some were a little jarring and not in a positive way or a scary way but the uh the tension that they managed to build and the set pieces are kind of like well fairly cool for the most part the different escape rooms that they end up in and then um for the most part the plot's really compelling it's the third act that kind of falls apart and worst of all without it's not a spoiler but they are definitely already anticipating a sequel and i feel like any movie that does that's usually, one, it's a little full of themselves to assume that people are going to like it enough to have a sequel. But two, finish the story you're telling. Make this one good. And then worry about a sequel. Don't start, you know, twisting and altering things just so you can have a sequel. And that was the the worst part of the movie. But overall, I had a really good experience in a movie that I would not have expected. So Escape Room, if you were on the fence about it, I'd say go to it. See it. You might like it. Seems to be getting a general positive response. Not necessarily everyone loving it. I think I loved it a little more than the average uh, person, but for a January PG-13 horror film, seems to be getting some positive love. Um, and then uh, last night I saw the new Ruth Bader Ginsburg-inspired film On the Basis of Sex. Um, it's not bad. It's not good. It's a little too melodramatic for a true story, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, it, it's... It's still a compelling story. I would say, though, instead of seeing that, watch the documentary RBG on Hulu right now if you have access to it or buy it. Uh, it's one, it, one of the, it. yeah one of the stories in in the documentary is the focus of on the basis of sex, and then uh, man, the melodrama is really heightened. Um, I also feel like they did a really bad job of making the men in her life tell the audience how great she is rather than like just letting her show us how great she is. And mm -hmm. that felt kind of contradictory to the whole premise of the movie. Um, I will say, though, Army Hammer and uh, Felicity Jones have great chemistry. I really like both of them in this movie. I, I tend to like Army Hammer. Dude is a charm machine, um, for sure. But, and uh, before recording, I knew going, I, w I was going to pause, but it's a rewatch anyways, but I'm rewatching Annihilation. In, oh, uh, so good. It is. And in preparation for our... Uh, top five of 2018 that we're going to be doing on Sunday. So I'm, I'm debating if this is in my top five or not. You'll have to wait and see 
if it makes it, but you know, I'm rewatching it to make some decisions. Okay. All right. Well, that's what we've been watching. Um, so if you're again new to the show, and even if you're not, we we will jump into our review of our featured film for this week. Uh, we go spoiler free at first, but before we jump into our 100% full review where we say whatever we want, Corey will give you a thorough warning so that you don't get anything spoiled if you don't want it to be. Um, maybe. It's a new year. New oh, me. Maybe. maybe <laughs> I just spoil it for you. I'm She's just kidding. tired of telling me or me telling her what to do. <laughs> That's right. Um, Solaris is from 2002, as mentioned earlier, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Uh, stars George Clooney, Natasha McEl- McElhone, I'm assuming, uh, Viola Davis, Jeremy Davies, um, and really that's it, but Ulrich Tucker has a big part. My favorite thing about this movie right away is that John Cho is listed, and he is a DBA emissary number one. Um, he is in the movie for one scene, but he is out of focus the entire time because it is uh, intentionally, it's not an accident. He's out of focus because we're focusing on George Clooney's face, and he is standing in the background talking to Clooney. And it was pretty funny because now uh, John Cho is a terrific actor. He's always been a terrific actor, but he's a well-respected actor. Now, clearly in 2002, he had not earned his props just yet that he was taking a role where he's just a background character that's not even visible in the movie. So um, if you know him, though, you can clearly recognize his voice when he's talking, but... I, I found that very amusing. Um, not in a, again, not in an insulting way, just because now John Cho is starring in movies and a uh, lead character in many things, and a, a character, an actor who I am um, usually going to check out a movie if he's attached to it because I respect him that much as an actor. So seeing him in this kind of like minor backdrop role, it was kind of funny. Um, again, just seeing where he came from, kind of thing. But. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie has a 65 meta score, a 6.2 IMDb user score, um, and without spoiling too much, uh, well, I, I guess I'll just go ahead and read the plot synopsis. A troubled psychologist is sent to investigate the crew of an isolated research station orbiting a bizarre planet. Um, this is not a spell it out for you all over the place type of movie. It's, it does leave a lot to be... Um, thought about and to ponder uh privately and i could definitely see how that would not work for every audience member um i didn't feel like i had a hard time putting anything together though interesting um you know what i mean i don't i don't know well i'm not saying necessarily that it's it's too complex but that it is uh it's open-ended to what certain things might represent or mean Mm. um and there's different ways to interpret it and that could leave someone um unhappy because some people like to have definitive answers and i don't think this movie gives you a definitive this is what happened um exactly uh in a lot in a, in many instances in fact um but i i kind of like that I actually i pretty much thoroughly enjoyed this movie um i wouldn't say this is a film i would i love but i i enjoyed it i really like george clooney's performance um i have not seen um, the Natasha McElhone character or actress, excuse me, uh, too many times, but she's in the Truman Show. But even there, she's like kind of a minor character. Oh, I just realized she was in Ronan though. I did like her in Ronan, but um, I haven't seen a lot of her work, but I really liked her in this movie. Uh, but what did you think overall, Corey? I did not like this movie. <laughs> it was the longest hour and a half of my life. I tried watching it on Wednesday, and after, like, ten minutes, I was like, I can't do this today. And then, at that point, I was just like, I I have to watch it tomorrow, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because it was going to be Thursday. I just... mm. What... Okay, you gotta go deeper, though. What is it about this film that you didn't like? Um, I felt like it was very unaffecting. Like, there so many things in that movie that should have moved me. And I just felt like the movie was so flat. And so I felt like it was trying to be smart. I, there, it was just emotionless. And then when it tried to convey emotion, it there's the melodrama, melodrama. Like I just, I couldn't take, I guess I couldn't take any of, 
or our our main character and his wife, I just really couldn't take them seriously. Hmm. Wow, I, I definitely did not agree um, with that at all. But um, that's surprising in a lot of ways. I didn't know if you would like it or not, but um, I, I definitely didn't uh, feel that way whatsoever. I don't. I don't think I ever cried or anything like that. Like I don't feel like I was too emotionally invested, like I get with some other films. But um, I did. I did like George Clooney. Um, I found Viola Davis's performance to be great, as I usually do. I really like her. Yeah, she's she is great. Um, I I do. I felt like her performance wasn't not her performance, but her role wasn't uh, as prominent as I would have liked. But I still liked her. Um, Jeremy Davies, who is the uh, other guy on the ship, um, was on Lost, and that's where I know him best, because mm-hmm. um, he was, uh, I'm trying to confirm, but he, he shows up, I think later, I think like season four or something like that, He's, uh, but he's a prominent figure towards the end of the series, for sure, and um, yeah, he's Dr. Daniel Faraday in uh, the show, and it's 33 episodes that he's in, so that's probably two or three seasons at max. Um, I I really liked him on Lost, and so I, I liked him here, even though his character was kind of... I kind of can see where his character would be the this movie thinks it's smarter than it is type of thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, um, I've been hit up and down with Soderbergh. I don't like everything he's done. Uh, I really like Ocean's Eleven. I still haven't seen 12 or 13, but I've, I've kind of heard it wasn't necessary um i i liked unsane from last year a lot um like more than i expected to in fact and then i liked logan lucky from uh the year before i didn't love logan logan lucky i can't say that logan lucky i didn't realize he did magic mike but i actually do like magic mike i think it's a better movie than it probably should be considering what it is about um and i think that's kind of the gist of his filmography that i've seen but um oh he directed aaron brockovich i did i saw that i don't okay so i love aaron brockovich <laughs> okay That's... do you remember like a long time ago when i still lived in florida we had like a game night or something mm-hmm. and you had like one of those dvd games and it was like movie trivia yeah and like so many of the questions were aaron Bro- brockovich and i had just watched it i think in my ethics class so it was like fresh on the brain, but I got all the Aaron Brockovich <laughs> and there seemed to be in a natural number of questions or stills from that movie. But well, that's one of those movies. Um, it's not quite to like the level of Forrest Gump in terms of uh, cultural immersion. But as far as the people who have seen it tend to love it, if they're not being heavily film critic like um, a lot of film critics seem to kind of hate on it because of the melodrama and some of the the lines are very they're very much cinematic lines they're not lines people would say in real life unless they were quoting a movie or trying to be like a character in a movie and so it doesn't considering it's based on a real person though and that's actually very similar to my issues with on the basis of sex which i do wonder if i hadn't watched rbg if some of those lines would have felt more organic than they did because i felt like rbg gives you a really good vibe of who ruth bader ginsburg is as a person and mm-hmm. a lot of the things that the character says in the movie, I don't believe would have happened in real life. Like, I just, that, it does not seem like the person that I've been and, introduced to. Like, the way that you're talking about it, and I feel like most of us who have seen anything at all, um, she's, like, very quiet and kind of reserved, and but she, like, packs a punch, and I feel like mm-hmm. in that movie they, like, make her, like, loud or, like... I don't know how to explain it, but much more. I I would say not not really, but they do make her very okay. timid at times. Um, oh, which I don't buy into. Like I do quiet, but She's ready to punch. Her next move. And and there are those moments where that is exactly what it is. But there's also a lot of scenes of her clearly like doubting herself and questioning if she can pull this off. And I never got that vibe from the woman in the documentary. You know, like. Oh no, she had a struggle, but she never doubted her abilities or if she could do it. Like, and I get that you want to make it more cinematic, and it ha- we have to. I feel like the idea that a character being as 
maybe not not necessarily perfect, but as unwavering as she she seems to be in real life, might not be relatable for your average you know audience member. And so maybe trying to make her feel like a little more flawed, like she has to really work to become the person she is. So she's more like an underdog. And I don't, I never got that vibe in the documentary. Like I, I, I always felt like she was never the underdog in her own eyes, maybe to everyone else, but she always knew she was going to do her thing. And, and I will say that the husband, and this is not the movie we're reviewing, so I apologize for sidetracking, but um, that the husband, Martin, from every account in the documentary uh, was a hundred percent supportive of her. So him doing that in the movie makes sense. It just feels like the movie's almost saying like, if it wasn't for him, she would have never made it. And that may be true, but I feel like it takes some of the power away from the woman when you present it like that, you know? And I don't mean like it may be true in the sense that she wouldn't have made it, but people need support. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, we need each other, but in a team, but it doesn't mean she didn't do it. You know what I mean? Like, and that's where it's it feels like they don't show her excelling until there is a moment where they show it, but it does feel more like a like a a movie moment rather than a real life moment where it's like finally everything's come together perfectly. Um, and I, I I don't know, but we that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Solaris and Corey not liking it and being wrong. I'd rather talk okay. about a movie I haven't even seen. <laughs> Which I just I can't get my head around. It. Now my wife did watch this one with me. Which uh, is unusual. Um, I didn't expect her to watch this particular film because I didn't think the premise was going to interest her. I, I feel like she was into it, though. But um, by the end, she was not thrilled with it. So um, I wasn't sure about you. I was kind of anticipating you not being on board, but I wasn't sure why. And I'm still not sure I fully get what didn't click with you. Um we, I think Pretty we've watched much the whole movie, but but the why I guess is you know what I mean like yeah well it's hard I'm very bad at verbalizing. Well, you know Boy. what movie this reminded me of that we've watched for movie club um, that I probably loved because you're you going to make did. a point here exactly. It remind <laughs> it reminded me of the fountain. <laughs> Um, with Hugh Jackman. But they did such a good job with, like, stirring my emotions in that movie. But that's the... I, I wonder what the difference is. Because, again, I was... I mean, I definitely think the relationship dynamic in the fountain... I felt like that whole relationship in this movie was BS. See, I never felt that way. I, I did I did feel <sighs> she was crazy. I do... I, I, I think I have fallen to George Clooney's charm. Um... I and, mean, he's handsome, and who else can have salt and pepper hair like that? I mean, and I feel like he's had that his whole life, and I do find way. him charming. I know it's not true. He was in Roseanne, and I saw him. Oh no, but um, I mean, it does. Like when I think of George Clooney, I always think of the salt and pepper salt hair. Salt and pepper hair. He's yeah. very handsome, and he is very charming. And he's one of those actors that we've had the conversation before where I'm like, well, I haven't seen much George Clooney. And then we went through the list and I was like, okay, so I haven't seen a whole lot, but I've definitely seen more than I thought. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. And I mean, I I shouldn't like him because he's one of the worst Batman (laughs) performances ever. And I still like him despite that. Um and he does work for me, and I, I do buy in, because he is stoic. Like, I won't deny that. He he does this kind of, like, cut-off performance, but I feel like it makes sense in the context of the film that he would be slightly detached because of the loss that he suffered. And, um, I don't know, uh, there is, we're, we're probably getting a little too close to spoiler territory, so let's move into that. Okay, guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about this movie in great detail. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but... I don't believe anyways. it is. Uh, we, we watch this digitally on Vudu, but I'm sure it's on iTunes, Amazon. Um, I don't believe it's included with anything streaming. Um, we are going to, again, talk about this movie's plot and its ending um, in spoiler. But So, when we find out about his wife, where I guess... I'm still not sure if they were actually married, if they were engaged to be married. I um, think that they were probably married. It was hard to tell because initially she resists the, the marriage proposal and then she's all in. But like they never show a wedding or anything to say that it finally happened. But the big thing here is she gets 
pregnant, and she has mental health disorders, and that's key. And he's a psychologist, so that's kind of a... He doesn't meet her, like, as a patient or anything. There's no, like, ethical conundrum there. But I do think when you are a trained person to analyze mental health, and you get involved with someone who has clearly mental health issues, there might be a power struggle there, where, like, he expects her to be better because he's the expert kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, like he can fix her because he studied this, you know what I'm saying? I My thing is, how did you not see that crazy from a mile away? Well, and he was, I think there's even a flashback scene where he's warned about her crazy. Um, you know, oh yeah, that she's blah blah blah, but she's worth it, I think. One of his colleagues said something that. Yeah, and I'm not saying like his choices are wise or make sense, but I am also I am under the belief that you can't always control who you love, and you know just because somebody is unhealthy, and again maybe he saw her as a project that he could fix, um, and given how he, and given how he takes her, I'm not saying that's a good thing, mind you. I'm saying no, but that is such a thing that. And I'm not saying this to be sexist. I'm just saying this as a proven fact, and I'm sure that there are scientific studies on it. That is a thing that women usually do. Correct. Right. That is a, a very common trope, uh, even within film and storytelling, that the women want to fix the bad guys. Here, it's not the same reason, but I do think he goes in thinking, I can deal with her because I'm trained to deal with this. And we also see that play out once she arrives on the, the space station. So the big crazy conceit is he gets a of like a video message from a colleague or a friend who's on the station that everyone's losing their mind and he they need him and he has a certain set of skills that he thinks would be beneficial they don't say what those skills are um and when he arrives on the space station um there's only two people left and that is uh jim davies character or jason davies whatever his name was and viola davis's character and both of them are are not okay like something is definitely wrong there's dead bodies uh Clooney's friend is dead he sees a kid uh we're told that that was his uh, the doctor's son Clooney doesn't understand how that's possible and ultimately um he's warned not to go to sleep and if he does to lock the door which does not appear to matter or he did not lock the door I'm not sure on that one that part kind of bothered me because I was like he told you to lock the door did you not do it like um but he wakes up well, he has a dream about his wife, but we're cross-cutting between the dream and then clearly him with the woman, the same woman from the dream, on the bed in the space station. And it's back and forth, back and forth. Then he wakes up and thinking, wow, that was a really intense dream, only to have her hand touch him. Lo and behold, yeah. Yeah, and she's there. He freaks out, which I would too. Um, especially because while we don't know she's dead at that point, it will become apparent that's the most reason why he freaked out. Because, <laughs> no, no, you're dead, and there's no way you could be on the space station. So two two reasons you should not be here, and more importantly, we apparently just had sex, and that's not okay either. So, um, he freaks out. What did you think of that whole, that whole first interaction? I don't... <sighs> well... That, yeah. You heard it first, folks. <laughs> that was it. That's it. I... I... I don't know. Okay, well, I I was intrigued right away, because I'm like, okay, so what's going on? I want to know who the other people saw, and I, I feel like, unless I missed it somehow, they never tell us what Viola Davis saw, or who she no. saw. No. It, it seems like it was still in her room. That's the implication, right? Because she won't let anyone into her room. And she's standing in the doorway, and we hear all this stuff knocking around in her room that... I really want to know more about her character. So that's, again, this movie does not try to give you every answer, and I think that's kind of compelling. She is willing to leave it behind, um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, says something. But um, So Clooney's first response to is he's going to get rid of this thing, and he tricks it, tricks... I'm saying it, but tricks his ex-wife, wife, dead wife, into a escape pod and sends it off to space. And it's pretty messed up, but you kind of understand because he knows it can't be her. Goes to sleep again. There she is again. 
and that's where like okay this is crazy what is this is it a monster blah blah blah. and then he starts kind of well psychoanalyzing her which i found really interesting um all of the like the details and how she comes to terms with the fact that she's not really his wife and that she isn't really the person either she's a reflection of his memories of her so you get into this whole concept of perspective and I found that really interesting. There are a lot of scenes with like pseudoscience babble between the, the three characters that are scientists where it's like clearly just making up big words that sound techno, you know, technological. This blah, 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 uh, Higgs bosons and particles and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Call oh, yeah, yourself. Higgs. Yeah. yeah. Like, whatever, people. We don't know what the crap you're talking about. Stop trying to sound smart. That's that's why they said it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know. Um, oh. I just, I don't know. I was not attached to any of these characters at all. I could not have given a, I couldn't have cared less. Their whole relationship I thought was bullshit. Um, I, there was just nothing, nothing there. And, oh, so you don't know. And I did take it that they got married because she didn't want a wedding. She even asked, well, if we get married, does anyone have to be there? He said yeah. that they had to have witnesses. But you can just have witnesses at a courthouse. Like, yeah, yeah. It no, for sure a big thing so i took it that they were married but anyways how are you going to be in this relationship with someone and not know that they're going to be fucking mad if you get an abortion and why why did you not think that they were going to get mad and you know and i'm not saying it's wrong on either of their parts but how would you just not know that about somebody well again i think she's crazy though so i I feel like it's not necessarily she didn't know maybe the crazy took over or the and um, I felt like they were just trying too hard with that. Like, just... And then all of a sudden, she just commits suicide. She just swallows a bunch of pills, and then he goes back later, and she's dead. Yep. Um, which, I mean, that's that's kind of how suicide works, but... Um, but you know what I mean? I just felt like they tried to cram... This movie was so... For an hour and 30 minutes. It was so long and drawn out. And then I felt like they tried to put, like, 30 minutes of movie in, like, four minutes. Yeah, I see. I don't agree with either of those assessments. I never felt like it was drawn out. Um, I did. I won't say it felt like it was an hour and thirty. I, I do. I do feel like it felt closer to two hours, but it wasn't a painful feeling to me. Like it sounds like it was to you. Um, I really. There was a poem that he recited to her, and then it becomes a uh, very clear motif. Um, Death should have no dominion. Poem, and that's. I really think is a is the obvious like big theme of the film. Um, and the, the Solaris is not the space station, it is the planet that the station is, uh, um, orbiting. And I, it's clearly like a metaphor for, um, heaven or the afterlife in some capacity. And it appears to be like, I mean, to me, it's a very deep film and he's exploring a lot of, you know, themes about death and and life after death. And, um, in order to do that. It's making him face things because I, you know what I mean? I feel like with that being his, I feel like sometimes the jobs that people do keep them from taking the same care with themselves, maybe. Mm. Like, how many nurses or doctors do you know that don't take care of themselves? And here he's a therapist and he's just not dealing with things. He's not dealing with the grief and the, uh, the guilt that he's the reason she killed him, killed herself. She warned him that she can't make it without him. And he left her. Um, there's that survival survivor's guilt. And an important part too, that like when you're pointing out like the crazy, everything we see about her is from his eyes. So that's true. And the reflection that we get to meet is also based on his memories of her. So like her being so suicidal that she tries to kill herself on the ship but finds out she can't, which was a really creepy scene that I thought was awesome. Um, like in a horror way, like there's this like moment of horror where she's tried to drink liquid oxygen, <laughs> and like, and Viola Davis is like, "Oh no, wait!" I, yeah, the freaky. Well, yeah, she's like, "This is the freaky part." Um, and like the twitching that <laughs> the actress does, and it's really freaky. And I, I thought it was really like scary. And I kept waiting for the movie to go horror, where she would like attack or whatever. And that's not what this is, and I kind of appreciate it because it's not what this is. Because this easily could have gone full horror, and it it's not at all. Um, but, you know, so she is suicidal because that's how he remembers her being. And it's it's really, you know, again, with him dealing with her 
Um, and it's the whole movie is a metaphor for again. I think you could make it a metaphor for several things: of a metaphor for for grief, a metaphor for uh, the afterlife, and religion in general. Because there is that whole conversation at dinner where he's forced her to go to dinner with his friends, and they're being very condescending to her because she believes in God, and none of them do. And it's like you know, it's almost it, mean that it pissed me off actually. And I'm not a religious person, but I just. I didn't feel like he was treating her very well, and I would no. I would never talk. I wouldn't. I don't know. I would never talk to or about my spouse like that in front of somebody mm. or actually anybody I care about. And then he's like upset that she goes upstairs and takes a bath. Like I would have left the house. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that. Mm, I mean, that it did make me mad. It it made me mad, and and again though, I think it's. You know, a big part at the end of the movie where he embraces her, um, he chooses to stay on the ship and lets Viola Davis take the the escape pod on her own um, and stays on the ship. It's like he's, you know, looking to be with her. They they grasp and it. it's hard to tell. Like, I've read a few different interpretations of it being like the ship is purgatory and at the end he's gone into the next the afterlife, the next phase we're now there together and there's nothing to worry about. They can forgive each other. And she is finally the real her and he is the real him. There's no longer a memory only guiding their actions or whatnot. And, um, I, I wasn't fully satisfied. Like, that's why I didn't say I, I don't love this movie, but I do appreciate this film. And I like, especially if you've seen some of his uh, Soderbergh's other films, this one's very artsy. And like the, the look of Solaris, the red and the blue, um, there's this, like psychedelic vibe to it in a way and it's it's very different than some of his more like down to earth like look at aaron brockovich in this movie would you think the same director uh in any way and i would i would imagine everyone would say no not at all like i wouldn't have thought that for a second and even oceans 11 who it's clooney and him again i wouldn't think of this as his movie but unsane and this i feel are closer together than some of his other stuff um there is that kind of you know trippy not sure what to think what is going on what's the point both deal with mental health um in some capacity and uh the idea of again what's real and what isn't um i think is played heavily in both films and uh i liked unsane i, I like unsane more um but i do i did like this film enough uh that i would i would watch it again and i i did again i, I read about it afterwards because i was really intrigued um if my my thoughts were mimicked somewhere else and i found Again, some people expanded a little further than I went. Um, I was clearly, I was very fascinated with the poem immediately. Just like, okay, this is clearly a metaphor that, um, I forgot the words at the moment, but the, uh, death should have no dominion. Like, love lasts, love persists after death. That true love will find, you will find it again once death is, um, taken you. You know, like, death can't keep two, two lovers apart kind of thing. And to me, that's very romantic, and I like the idea of that. Um, which, I mean, both you and I have both been in, in very long-term relationships. Um, I don't I mean, even like my husband. I'm kidding. <laughs> He's my favorite person. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and same with my wife. Who's like my best friend. She's I spend, you know, most of my time just conversing with her about everything and um, the support that we find with each other. So you know, despite religious beliefs and those things aside, this concept that the movie is kind of playing on, I found kind of refreshing and reassuring, especially because it is hard to tell if his love is genuine or not. You know, like there is, there is a degree where I believe he loves her, but is it a healthy love and whatnot is questionable. And that I guess could have maybe a dark ramification on the ending. Like if it wasn't pure love and yet they're together in the afterlife, if that is the afterlife, that's not that's the gonna be a long time that's not a happy ending yeah right um so i guess if you look at it that way that could be a, a reason to dislike the movie too but um i found it entertaining um i like the i like the conversations i didn't like the techno conversations where they were making up you know terminology for the science behind stuff but the actual like conversations with him and her um I found compelling and you know this I thought his performance was really really good though as this you know grieving yet 
uh, putting up this facade that he's okay, you know. But that's uh, clearly we uh, we differ on this particular film. Um, Let's talk about the smart part. Okay. Because I feel like in any other movie, I would have been like, yeah. But I just, I don't know. I just felt like it was trying really hard. Well, and I, I think I used a similar complaint with Logan Lucky. Um, and even with Ocean's Eleven, while I do like Ocean's Eleven, there is that point when you see like everything kind of come together where you're just like, yeah, but this is just you kind of showing off how smart you think you are for having come up with this. And it's fun, but it's also like, yeah, okay. And um, Logan Lucky, I felt like, exploited that even more because he made his characters come across as these dumb rednecks and then we're later shown no no they're not dumb that's you for judging them it's like no no that's you for putting the characters in those accents in this movie and basically showing us how dumb they were until you finally decided to show us something else so i think that's the soderbergh trait that he he does think he's smarter than most people um and i I can see why that's off-putting for sure um i didn't mind that in this movie because it is, um, I don't know for sure if it's because it's like a environment where I expect that, like, cause I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm dumb with science, but science is not an area where I feel, ex- you know, extremely competent or like I could talk, um, big game about, you know, like I'm, I'm familiar with some basic stuff, but it's not an area that I've spent a lot of time studying on my own or anything like that. So I kind of just accept that. Yeah. If you're into science stuff you're probably smarter in that area than i am so i'm just going to accept your intelligence if that makes sense mm-hmm. I, I think that it does got it but I, again i can also see why that would be off-putting like you know um people who are I... constantly like look what i can do is are, are easy to get annoyed with hey guys i mean is it like the equivalent of an m night Shyamalan? like you know what i mean which yeah. I like, I like quite a few of his uh, movies, so I'm not like. But you know, you're not wrong. You know who I think of though, um, who rubs me that way is, um, hang on, I got to think of his name. Um, he wrote Chronicle. Oh, uh, what's his name? Um, not director because Josh Trek is not. Although I've heard Max Landis, son of John Landis, who wrote um, oh. American Werewolf in Paris. Uh, and he's remaking that movie because yeah. he's not very bright. Because he's exactly what I'm talking about. He is that guy who thinks he's smarter than everybody around, and he's not afraid to tell you that he's smarter than you. And he comes off as a pretentious douchebag. If you ever listen, he was on an epi- I think one or two episodes of Douglas movies. Very much a pretentious douchebag. Um, he was on a couple of other podcasts that I listened to, and not ever again. I don't think because he rubs everybody that way, from what I've heard. And I'm not saying he's not smart. But he thinks he's smart, and that's the that's the problem. It's the attitude and the condescension that comes across when he speaks that makes you just hate the stuffing out of him. Um, <laughs> I love that you just called him a deep d bag. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't feel like d bag's a, a bad word per se, but um, yeah. So I totally get what you're saying. I just didn't have that feeling in this particular film. In a way that made me not like it. Um, I'm not saying it's not... I didn't even notice it, but... Can I also say that, like... So, none of these people tried to get rid of their... Their visions. None of them tried to do that, and then they just came back. So, it was totally unexpected when he did that with his wife. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. If these... the, (sighs) The one implication... Remember that one of them is the vision. The... Jason Davies' character is the the projection or whatever the memory, um, and then the he's clone. like, "Oh yeah, I killed him or whatever." It was just like so nonchalant too. Well, I think then- part of that is he's not; they're not hostile, so he's not afraid of repercussions because he's not like I think that <sighs> the, and- that part. I'm still kind of confused as to how he was the same like. He initially said he saw his brother. So my first thought was that they had he had a twin brother. Yeah, they must have been twins. But it said, like I identical. think... I think it said that he is the same person. So what they were seeing, though, were, were regrets, right? 
So maybe he regretted his choice. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like, he must have regretted something about himself that that's what showed up. Because the son, for the for the one doctor, because he regretted leaving his son on Earth when he went to the space station. We don't know what Viola Davis saw, exactly. Um, and then his wife, because he regretted leaving her and her killing herself. So it's possible his regret was something personal. And maybe even, maybe he was suicidal. And that's why he killed himself, literally. Like, the clone came and killed himself. That's That part was not explained well. But again, a lot of the movie's not explained. It's left for you to interpret and, and make decisions, which I appreciate. Not saying it doesn't frustrate me with some... Like, this particular one frustrates me. I want to understand it a little more. But, um... I mean, that's one of the... Like, to me, a movie can't be bad if I'm this intrigued by its premise. Even if it's not fully executed well um i think it's compelling enough that i would like to sit and talk about this movie with someone who maybe um thinks they have answers well you don't you're not sitting here saying you understand it in a way that you can definitively tell me each element and most i don't think anyone can but like if someone had like the things i've read those are people putting out what they firmly believe the movie did or said or or was trying to say versus like you know I'm not sure what the movie was doing. And again, that's not an insult, but this is a movie to me that was so compelling because I'm so curious about it. Like I want to know more. I want to, um, it it pulled me in and some movies like, like this work for me very well. There are others out there that didn't, that don't click. And I am like, ah, this just seems like pretentious nonsense. Um, kind of to a degree, Mandy feels that way to me because Mandy tries to like, there's all this psychedelic stuff and it's like, try to be a smart horror. Yeah, it tries. I don't even know if smart's the right word. It tries to be. I feel like. Okay, so we're going to go back to the guy that's. I don't even remember his name. But the guy that we end up finding out is not the spaceship person. Yeah. Yeah, Jason Davies' character. Yes. Or whatever his name is, Davies. Because to me, as soon as, like, George Clooney's character got on the, like, ship. Um, I thought that it was very strange that Viola Davis is like locking herself up and all of these things. And he's just like out in the open, Mm -hmm. but that does seem a little threatening that you might want to lock your door. It does. It does. But it's, I I think the implication was how the, uh, the entities were getting in. Um, but yeah, that, well, and I guess some of the entities that showed up again, I'm not sure what to refer to them as, but were, were hostile. Um, because of the way the regrets worked out. Like, I think one of the guys was shot by one or something like that. Like, again, some of it does feel it's exposition dumps at moments where we're just being told what happened because they're Soderbergh's not concerned with the other people as much as he's concerned with Clooney and the, and the wife. Those are the main elements of the story. The rest is just to have this discussion about grief and death um, and life after death more so than it is like the, the actual stuff with the ship and everything, I think, is almost irrelevant to what he's actually trying to work through. It's just the the medium in which he's working through it. And that can also be off-putting. That's not necessarily like, well, why do you have to make it so complicated then? But he, he's able to kind of play with religious ideals without having to specify a denomination by making Solaris this kind of godlike planet, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I appreciate that because of that, because it's not... It's not a Christian film, um, and it's not a Muslim film or a Jewish film or even an atheist film, despite him being uh, clearly an atheist. Um, It's more like, you know, just the general idea of life and death and after death. Like, what's, is there something? Um, And it's it's through a frame that you can contemplate it without having to, to believe the exact same things that the characters are experiencing because it's not through a religious lens. And I, I, I like that. Cause I, th- I think it's, it's more all encompassing in that way. Now, again, the way it's not all encompassing is that it's condescending and it, it thinks it's too smart. And so it can put people on the defensive or, or turn them off to it completely, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. I feel like, well, that's where I'm at. Yeah. yeah, and I and I again I 
I can understand that. Um, I feel bad because that's two movies in a row that you were not a fan of. Although you did pick at the least first I one. picked one of them, and yeah. my dumbass just went and bought that one because it was out of print for so long, and that was originally available. Well, it was at one time available on Criterion, and then they lost the rights. Oh, really? So that, yeah, so that one's my fault. And then after he died, it's like $200 to buy it used. Oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, um. Well, what what would you give Solaris at, at the end? Um. Oh, my God. I'm going to get rocks thrown at me. Oh, I doubt Not that. a total waste of time. That's not too bad. I I, I think I am still going to stay with a decent watch. Um, I don't think I'm quite on board enough to say not quite golden. Um. I don't regret watching this film at all, though, and I, I definitely could see revisiting it, um, maybe with someone who hasn't seen it, to see how they react and, and discuss it a little more. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I definitely did not dislike this movie. Um, I liked a lot about it, and I do... I, I I like a movie that makes me start, you know, asking questions and, and pondering what it could be trying to say. It, it It's fun to to pull those types of thought experiments and whatnot. So, um, but that's it for Solaris. Uh, next week, we're going to be back with John Carpenter's Starman, um, which I'm very excited to finally knock off my list. That's one that I've had on my, uh, to watch list for quite some time. And, um, you picked this one, uh, yes, mainly because of John Carpenter, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. I'm wanting to see more of his films. Yeah, and you've you've already kind of made an effort to do a few of that. You watched that uh, anthology film we got, uh, uh, which I've not watched I yet. So, but um, yeah, uh, so that will be our next episode. So if you watch Starman and you'd like to, uh, you know, give us your thoughts on it before we record, you can use the Anchor.fm app and actually call us and leave a voicemail on the Anchor.fm app, and we could use that on the the episode. Or you can just hit us up on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's love you in. And I uh, hit you up during a yawn, my bad. Um, Sorry. So, it's okay, it's okay, it's getting late. Um, we would love, if you like our uh, show, that you rate and review us on whatever platform you listen. It helps other people find us. Um, we want to thank everyone for listening. It's been two years and we've seen over 104 movies now, I think 105 movies now. And uh, we, we hope to continue this because it's a lot of fun to check some of these movies off our list. I mean, Solaris wasn't – actually, both of the movies we've watched so far were not on lists that I really was, like, pushing to get out there. But, hey, there are two more movies that I've now seen that I never saw before, um, and I liked one of them. So, you know, it's all <laughs> worth it in the end. But um, that's it for this episode. So until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts. Covering the entire movieverse, there's something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.